marriage and fatherhood is a calling and a ministry. A husband and father is called by God to love, provide, care, guide, nurture and protect his family as an expression of God himself, who is the ultimate husband and father. Come, discover the importance and what it takes to fulfill this call and ministry. To Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, 8 through 10. We're just going to read this passage and then um, prepare our, our stand up and make a declaration. Romans 10, 8 through 10. Paul the Apostle writes here, he is actually quoting from the Old Testament passage of um, Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter. He's quoting from there and he's writing. Here in Romans 10, verses 8 through 10, he says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 30, chapter 30, verse 11 to 14, God spoke to his people and he said, I want you to do something. This word that I'm giving you must be in two places. It must be in your heart and it must be in your mouth. This word that I'm giving you must be in two places. It must be in your heart and it must be in your mouth. And if you read that passage in, in, in Deuteronomy 30, starting on verses 11 onwards, after God gives his instruction, the very next thing he tells his people is, See, I have set before, I have set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. And you choose. What do you want? Obviously, God desires for us to experience life and blessing. He doesn't want us to walk in death and curse. But he's given an instruction right before that. He said, here's how you're going to walk in life and blessing. My word must be in your heart and in your mouth. That's from Deuteronomy. Now the Apostle Paul, writing in the New Testament, quotes that same passage, but he puts the gospel into the picture. He says, God said in the Old Testament, the word must be in two places. It must be in your heart and it must be in your mouth. And then he says, we are preaching to you the message of Jesus Christ. And here's how it will happen. If you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and you confess him with your mouth, you will receive God's gift of salvation. You will receive God's gift of salvation. So here's what we must understand. Two simple things. One, God wants his word to be in our heart and in our mouth. With a heart, man believes. With a mouth, confession is made. That means you say that word. You believe his word in your heart and you say it with your mouth. Believe his word. Say it. Believe his word. Say it. And that is going to empower you and me to either walk in, to walk in life and blessing instead of walking in death and 
if we believe in our heart Jesus and confess him with our mouth, we're going to receive salvation. You believe God's word in your heart, declare God's word in your, with your mouth, you're going to walk in life and blessing. Amen? If we speak words of failure and defeat and condemnation and, 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 and things, um, things that are always putting us down, taking us down, then we're going to walk in death and curse because life and death, the Bible says in Proverbs, is in the power of the tongue. We need to be careful of the words we speak. Let's speak the word of God. Let's speak in line with the truth, with the promises he's given to us. Let's stand up to our feet as we make our declaration this morning. We want God's word to be in our heart and in our mouth. We're going to speak that way because we want to walk in life and blessing. Let's say this together. If you have your Bibles, lift it high up in the air, please. Say this with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word. I believe his word. And I live by his word. Christ is my master. And to him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. This month of February, we're going to be focusing all our messages, four Sundays, on the family. We're going to be talking about the family and what God's Word says about the family. And uh, on the last Sunday of February, which is... Um, second nine. 23rd, 23rd of February, we're going to have a big Sunday. And the theme for that big Sunday is rediscovering home. Now, our big Sundays are Sundays when, uh, are Sundays that are geared towards touching people who don't know Jesus Christ. So on that Sunday, rediscovering home, February 23rd, we want to encourage you to invite friends from your circle or friends or people at your workplace or your college or school. Invite them for that big Sunday. Especially if you know that they are going through some challenges or having questions about marriage, home, family. A lot is happening in our city and in our in cities across our nation. A lot is happening. Even though we are still in very much a traditional country in terms of marriage, and a lot of most marriages are still arranged marriages and, and all of that, still a lot of we are seeing more and more an increase in problems in the home, in the family, especially in our urban cities. And I'm sure that you've got people in your circle of friends who are going through some challenges in their home, in their marriages, in their or struggling with their parents and so on. And so I want to encourage you to invite them for that big Sunday. Is that okay? So start thinking about some of them. Start praying for them. And then on 
23rd, invite them and we will gear the whole message towards bringing God's word to their hearts on, as we talk about rediscovering home. This morning, uh, I want to talk to us about the calling and ministry of a husband and father. So ladies, you can fall asleep. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. This morning's message obviously is directed towards the men who are sitting here, towards husbands and fathers and those who will be husbands and fathers in due course of time. And just to bring truth to our hearts and trust that God will do a work in us as husbands and fathers this morning. We're going to begin by looking at some facts or statistics. Now unfortunately we don't have this kind of data that I'm going to show you. We don't have this kind of data for India. Uh, for some reason we're not there yet. We don't have the ability, we don't have the means I suppose to gather information uh, across our population. So what I'm, the data that I'm going to show you is from the United States, right? So when we look at this data, let's understand that it's not from our nation. It's from the United States uh, because that data is published and is available, accessible. We don't have that data for our nation. So, but Let's keep in mind that not all of that will directly correlate to what's happening here in India. It doesn't necessarily say that this is the way things are in India. And also keep in mind that our cultures are very different. So does not mean that what's happening there is exactly representative of what's happening here? Not necessarily so because our cultures are different. But the reason I'm sharing this data is to to just awaken us to the importance of the subject of husband and fathers and also to awaken us to the fact that if we are not careful as a people and as a nation, it is quite possible that we may end up in that state soon. So let look, let's look at some of this information here. And this is according to the 2011 Census Bureau, where they looked at over 24 million and looked at, and here's the, here's the data. This is from the United States. So we'll just keep that in mind. 24 million children, this is 2011, so it's not too old, live away from their biological fathers. That's 33% of the population. It's gone up from 11% in 1960. So in a matter, we're talking about 50 years, it's more than triple or maybe triple you could say. And what is the impact of children living away from their fathers? This, this data will give us some idea. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists 
But anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. And even in education, what is the importance of the father and the involvement of the father in the life of the children as far as education is concerned? India is very big on education, so this will be of interest. Here's what the data reports. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. Children with fathers who are involved are 40% less likely to repeat a grade. Children with fatherless who are involved are 70% less likely to drop out of school. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to get A's in school. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to enjoy school and engage in extracurricular activities. The importance of a father being involved in the life of their child. And you know, in the church, and again this is U.S. data, in the church, even inside the church, things are not very different. Josh McDonald, and some of you may have read his books, in one of his books called Dad Difference, he reports this finding, and this was published in 1990, so it's a little dated, but here's what he found. He said he found, and this is within the American church, the average teen spends only two minutes a day in meaningful conversation with his dad. 25, and this is inside the church. We're talking about church-going families. 25% of these teens say they've never had a meaningful conversation with a father at all. So things don't look very different even inside the church. I understand not all of this will apply directly to our context. I understand that in India... Fathers, even in the absence of fathers because of our families being so closely knit, even extended families being closely knit, there is a lot of support uh, and involvement from other members and that, that, can, that can in some way uh, compensate to some extent uh, to the absence of a father. And I also understand that there would be some young people sitting here this morning who in some sense, are fatherless. I don't want you to think that all these things are true for you. Right? Don't walk out of that, walk out of this place thinking, oh, I have disorders and this and that. No. God is our ultimate father. All right? So we're presenting this data just to alert us to these facts. I don't want anybody to go out of this place being discouraged, saying, oh, I grew up without a father, so maybe I'm you know, malfunctioning or something. Don't take it that way. But I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, where are the fathers? Where are the fathers? In India, and again, this is just an observation. It's not based on any actual factual data. But I think in India, we probably are safe to say that, you know, maybe fathers are not abandoning homes and running away as much as 
fathers are just absent. They're there, but they're absent, meaning they're too busy at work or too busy hunting outside. They forget the time with their own families and with their own children. So in one sense, maybe they are still absent. Where are the fathers? And this morning, the message is not intended to bring any form of condemnation or judgment in any of us. It's just an invitation to understand that as husbands and fathers, we are actually called into a ministry. We are actually called by God into this role. Anyone, any man can parent, but not all men can father. And this morning, I want to challenge you and me. Not just to parent, but to be fathers in our home. For our family, for our children. So let's back up and talk a little bit about the calling and the ministry of a husband and a father. You and I believe and you and I know from the word of God that marriage was designed by God. So also the family. It's not just a social thing that happened. or It's designed by God. It's spiritual. It's, it's God who came up with this whole concept and idea of marriage and family. And, and it's safe for us to say that everything God designed was intended to be an expression of who He is. Creation that was formed, designed by God... Uh, it was designed to be an expression and reveal who God is. That's why the, by, uh, the Rome, Paul writes in Romans, the invisible attributes of God and His powers are seen in His creation. Everything God designed was intended to express something of Himself. So it's safe for us to say that even marriage and family was designed by God for us to express something of who he is and experience something of who he is inside that context of marriage and family. Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, and I might quote several of his statements, he said this, he said, marriage may be the closest thing to heaven or hell. Any of us will know on this earth. What we must understand is that marriage and fatherhood is actually a calling and a ministry. God instituted this and then he calls us. He invites us. So when you walk down the altar and say, yes, I do, to your woman. You're actually saying yes to this call and to this ministry that God designed, that God instituted. Just as in any other form when somebody says, yes, I will be a pastor. Yes, I will be a preacher. Yes, I will be a worship leader. You're responding to a call and a ministry. So also in marriage, when you say yes 
you're actually saying yes to God's call to a ministry that he designed, that he instituted. And I don't think we should look at marriage and family ministering in that context any different from being a pastor or, or any other kind of calling and ministry that God may have. They're all equally important. And we'll also be safe to say that marriage and family probably more are definitely more important in the order that God has put. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. So this a calling really is an invitation. And our willingness to accept that invitation, not only the role, but also the responsibilities that come with it. When you say yes to a calling, you're not only stepping into a role, but you have some responsibilities in that. Ministry is an opportunity to serve and represent who God is as he ministered to our spouse and our children. And I'd like to sum up today's message in this one statement about the calling and the ministry of a husband and a father. I'd like to sum it up in this one statement. A husband and father is called by God to love, provide, care, guide, nurture, and protect his family as an expression of God who is the ultimate husband and father. Can we all say that together? A husband and father is called by God as an expression of God who is the ultimate father, husband and father. Amen? All fatherhood flows from God because he is the ultimate father. And all husbandhood, if there is a word like that, Flows from God. Because he is the ultimate husband. So really as husbands and fathers. We are expressing who God is. Inside our homes and our families. To our spouse and our children. If we elaborate on this a little bit further. We are called by God to love. The kind of love that God calls us to give to our spouse, our wife and children is that unconditional God kind of love. The Bible tells us so plainly in Ephesians 5, 25, 28, 29, just a few verses from there. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Verse 28. Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So says, I want you to love your wife. And it's true, you can have this romantic kind of love, and you can have this friendship kind of love, but God calls us to this agape kind of love, this God kind of love. Which is that unconditional love that he wants us to extend to the wife. 
love your wives as Christ loved the church. And in that process, as a way of expressing that love, God says, I want you to nourish and cherish, nurture and hold special. Nourish and cherish as the Lord does the church. Again, a quote from Edmund Cole. He says, the greatest thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. And that same kind of love we are called to extend to our own children. Your son, your daughter at home. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Notice it says, don't provoke your children to anger, meaning you love them. You're called to love them. And love sometimes disciplines. But you do it in a manner that you don't push them to anger. So love can be tough and must be tough at times. You discipline them because you love them. I've spanked my kids and Amy spanked them too. Not because we don't love them. Uh, don't love them. We do it because we love. Because we want them to learn the right things. But we don't do it or we do it in a manner that does not push them into a place of anger and rebellion. Don't provoke them to anger. The same thing is said in Colossians 3 and verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Sometimes you could discipline them so much that they, you actually break their spirit. You they just get discouraged. You say, no good fellow, you're good for nothing. You don't discipline that way. You discipline to build them up, not put them down. You don't want to discourage them. And here's a very important thing. If children don't find love at home, they will go looking for it elsewhere. If they don't find love at home, they will go looking for it elsewhere. So, as fathers, next Sunday, Jean is going to be talking to us on parenting and, and then she'll talk to us the following Sunday on uh, being a mother. I almost wanted to do the mother message, you know. <laughs> the wife and the mother. And Amy said, no, don't. <laughs> That's somebody else. So I had Jean to do it. Okay. Anyway. So I won't go too much into that parenting aspect, but here's the point. And I'm speaking to husbands and fathers here. Fathers... If you don't tell your son or daughter, I love you, they'll go looking for it somewhere else. If you don't hug your son or daughter at home, they'll go looking for it somewhere else. So, but I'm a man. I don't tell anybody I love him. <laughs> no. As a man, you say, you demonstrate God's nature of God is love and he's a loving God and demonstrate that to your children. Hug them. 
Love them. So till what age must I hug them? I can hug them, hug them when they're two years old. Yeah. But you can still hug them when they're teens. Nothing wrong? Hug them. That's very important. You show that you love them. Demonstrate your love to your son, to your daughter. Because if they don't find that love at home, the first guy that says, you look nice, she's gone. <laughs> gone. And you're like, I took care of you for 15 years. Yeah? I mean, it's, it's important to provide. and We'll talk about that. But you know, there's also an emotional need for love. Which just the provisions we put on the table will not satisfy. And it's important what we put on the table. But that itself will not meet that need. So you have to say it. You have to show it. Hug them. Love them. Number two, provide. As a husband and a father, we are called by God to provide for the home. And I think many of us have this inherent sense of responsibility to do that. And I, I don't think uh, any man uh, would want to run away from that. Very few that you would find uh, who uh, uh, abscond, relinquish that responsibility and but I want to impress this on our hearts as husbands and fathers. We are called by God to provide for our home. Do what it takes. First Timothy 5 and verse 8 is a very strong verse. Paul writes here, he says, If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's very hard. You don't provide for your own family. It says, look, your faith means nothing at this point. God rise up to this call as a husband and a father to provide for the home. And, and I, I understand that there may be little seasons of life where maybe you're unemployed, you're looking for a job, and I don't want to condemn you at that point. That's not, that's not the purpose of the message. But the purpose of this message is, for, is to awaken us husbands and fathers to this responsibility, this calling to be providers for our home. That's part of what we should be doing. Number three that we mentioned is care. That is when your wife or your children are hurting, when they are wounded, when they are weak, when they are discouraged. You speak life and encouragement, hope and faith into them. Care for them. Life outside can be tough. It can, is rough. It's not easy. And so sometimes your kids come home and say, Daddy, my friend did, said this and, you know, did that. And all. That's the time to show care. That you are concerned enough about that problem to speak in to that problem. I enjoy those, those moments when I'm tucking Ruthie into beds. And that's those moments of personal conversation. Heart to heart talk. Father, daughter. And 
There's all kinds of things they've had conversations about. All kinds of things. But that's caring to listen. Whether it's, you know, my friends at school were like this and they were not nice to me. What do I do? No. You care enough to listen and then you say something and watch how she should handle that situation. But those, those precious moments of just sitting by her bed and when I'm tucking her in and that's the time when I can listen to her heart speak. The same with Josh, but he talks technology at 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> he says, Dad, I'm thinking of this new website. <laughs> okay, I'll listen. I care enough to listen to that. <laughs> and Dad, I have this new app idea. <laughs> That's 9 o'clock at night when I'm tucking him to bed. <laughs> That's okay. That's what he's interested in. Care enough to listen. But it's that most moments that are really special where you're showing you care. Proverbs 6, 16, 24 tells us, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. You know, you can keep calling your wife honey, honey, honey and keep hitting her with all harsh words. <laughs> it will mean nothing to her. So it's better not to call her honey, but to speak pleasant words. Because pleasant words are like honeycomb. It brings sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. I think some of us men are responsible for the ailments of our wives. Because of the words we've been speaking. Because it says here, the words we speak can bring health to their. So it also means you're speaking the wrong words. You're breaking their bones. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're hurting them. Not only emotionally, but physically as well. So some questions we need to ask ourselves. How long? Okay. Do you care enough to help with household work? Do you do the dishes when the maid doesn't show up? Do you help with the laundry? I'm talking to the men, all right, not the ladies. Men, do you help with the laundry or cooking or do you sit around expecting your wife to do it all? Earlier, this, earlier in January, I sat down together with a young couple. They've just been married about a year. They had some small problems, not major. But he was one of the biggest problems. Both were working. Both leave home at 1 in the after, or 12 in the afternoon and they come back at like 10 o'clock at night. They work at that UK shift and uh, both are working. But here was the problem. The husband came home at 10 and he expected the wife to do the dinner at night, 11 o'clock. And do all the household work the next morning. And then both go to work at 12. I said, see, both are working outside. So both must share responsibility at home. So one day, husband, you cook. And one day, wife, you cook. Like, he was looking at me like, pastor. 
But you got to share the responsibility inside the house. Because both of you are working outside. Can't come home and then husband just sits and the wife also works further at night and then again up in the morning. Wife works. No, it's not fair. Got to share the responsibility. Care enough to do that. So one day you wash the dishes, one day she washed the dishes. It's looking at me very strange. But after some time, got a message. Thank you so much. It's working, you know. So men, husbands, fathers, you've got to care enough to do stuff at home. Don't just sit down in front of the TV and expect your wife to bring you the tea. You go make some tea and serve your wife. I can say it. No, my wife is sitting right here. <laughs> Make the breakfast. It's very easy, man. Get some sausages, bread, egg. It's easy. Make some breakfast for the kids, for your family. Cook chicken curry sometimes. Very easy. Go buy the ready-made packet. <laughs> Get the chicken. Wash it. Remember to wash it, please. You know. Put it in the pressure cooker. Put the masala. Start. You're done. I mean, do some simple things. Show that you care. So, no, I'm a man. I only eat the chicken. <laughs> Come on. Care enough to be involved in these kinds of things at home. Care enough to listen to your son or daughter share their dreams. Not just you share your dreams to them, but listen to them telling you their dreams, what they want to do. Number four is to guide. Which is as a husband or father, you guide your family in the ways of God. You guide them with the word and the wisdom of God so that they can make right choices in life. And also you have the responsibility to make decisions from your, for your family that will help them pursue the purposes of God. Train up your children as well. The verse that we saw earlier in Ephesians 4, 6, You fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bring up fathers, fathers, responsibility and fathers. Fathers, not children's church pastor. Fathers, some of us send kids to children's church and say, man, ABC's got his own syllabus and all, send them off. No, it's not, thank God for children's church, but the responsibility is on the father. Fathers, you train, you bring your children up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and the knowledge, the counsel uh, and the equipping of God. You've got to do that. I was sharing earlier this morning at our West Church and, and I uh, quoted from Isaiah 59 verse 21 where God says, The word that is in your mouth and the spirit that I put upon you will pass on to your children and to your children's children. God wants his word and his anointing that he gives to one generation to pass on to the next and on to the next. And God will add Revelation anointing to each generation, but we must be responsible, steward what God has given to us and pass it on. 
So I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm just thinking and praying, saying, God, how do I pass on what I have to Josh and Ruth? How do I pass on the knowledge of the word and the anointing of God? How do I pass it on to them? Uh, they can do whatever God's called them to do. But my responsibility to pass on that knowledge and revela- the revelation and anointing, I must pass it on. We do it by teaching, by talking about it. So use ordinary moments in life whenever you can. Talk about it. Josh and I have done many devotions in the car. In the morning, in driving. I sit down, we, we talk a little bit. And I use some of our publications. Our publications are pretty good. I talked to him about the conquest of the mind. We've got, we're going through that book. We've gone through fulfilling God's purpose and who we are in Christ. And we need to go back. with. So just use one of our books and talk to them. about. Use them and discuss it with your son, your daughter. Do the foundations with your son, your daughter. That's your responsibility. See, we're giving you the resources. The publications are there. They're free. But you've got to sit down and go with it. Go through it with your son and daughter. But that's, you have to be intentional about it. It's not just going to happen by accident. You've got to do it intentionally. Sit down. Talk about it. Teach it. Use teachable moments wherever you can, whenever you can. Just doesn't have to be all the time because then, they, you know, then it's an overdose of it. And, but in right measures, at the right time, you have to have wisdom. And, and uh, you know, if every time I see Josh, I only give him, you know, chapter and verse, he'll, he'll hide behind the door. <laughs> so don't, don't be like that. Just, just you do it in a nice way that they will learn and, 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 and learn and repeat and repeat and repeat so that they actually, it gets into their hearts. And... Uh, the greatest way that you can impart it is by modeling it before their lives. They see it. They may forget the words, but they will never forget the images that have been imprinted on their minds when they've watched you at those moments in life when you made choices. When you, you know, if you at the traffic light signal, somebody jams a car in front of you and, and you come back right behind them and you jam your, um, your brake and you roll down the windows and, and, and spell out certain words. That's not a good way to teach them how to control anger. But in those moments when, when they see that, hey, this was a time and my dad could have shouted at that man, but he just kept quiet and he was very peaceful and he was singing hallelujah. <laughs> it's like, that's something. And that image will never go off their minds. So you model in everyday life what it is to walk like Christ and walk this word. They will never forget it. They may forget your words. They will never forget your life. Again, Dr. Edwin Cole said this. A father's responsibility is not to make the child's decisions, but to let the child watch him make his. As they watch you make those decisions, they are going to learn the same values, the same equations, the the factors that you put into that equation to come out with the answer. They will learn it. How is my dad processing it? Why is he behaving this way or not behaving that way? You model it in order to guide your children. Guide them. Number five, nurture. Which is to mold and 
raise up and equip and train and develop their potential. One very important thing as fathers, we must remember, don't try to live out your unfulfilled dreams through your children. Many fathers are guilty of that. They are carrying inside them their unfulfilled dreams and then they want to put it on their son or daughter and try to live it out through them. And they feel they have a right to do it. You don't have a right to do it. The only right you have is to guide them into God's call on their life. God designed each one of them uniquely with certain talents, with certain gifts, with certain inclinations, with certain passions. Your responsibility is to help them discover it and then nurture them, equip them, motivate them, challenge them to rise up to their highest and best in God. Don't try to live out your unfulfilled dreams through your son or daughter. Amen? So I let, we let our children decide what they want. Joshua has certain passion for technology, likes that. Ruth, maybe like two years ago, and she's 13, maybe when she was 11, she said, I want to be a teacher. Where did that come from, you know? I want to be a teacher. I want to be a school teacher. Okay. And now we just try to set those heights a little higher. So Ruth, how about being a principal? <laughs> or how about doing a PhD in education? You know, in that line. Just try to have a bigger dream. But she settled. I want to be a teacher. I want to teach. I want to be in education. Only 12 years old. So just nurture that. Encourage. It's okay. No, don't say, why not be an engineer? Why not be a doctor? No, 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 no. What's God put in her heart? Nurture them into that. So, but I, you know, my grandfather was a doctor. I am a doctor, so my daughter has to be a doctor. No, no, relax. Your responsibility is to help them fulfill what God has designed them to be. Not live out your dream or your family dream to them. No, what's God called them to do? Nurture them into it. The same thing for your wife. Encourage your wife to pursue God's call on her life. Now some people like, they say, okay, you know, I, I pass, I minister, but Amy doesn't do that. So like, oh, what does a pastor's wife do? Okay, Amy's a doctor. And that's what she's passionate about. And in her work, she probably leads more people to Jesus during the week than most pastors in our city. Because she goes and visits people in their homes. She and her team, not alone, but she and her team. They go and visit people in their homes. And at every opportunity, they say, can we pray for you? And these are people who are sick, who are hurting, terminally ill. Some of the things that you and I may never see for months, they get to see every day. And what else? They get to pray with them. So in a week, they may pray. I don't know how many, but they may see four patients a day visiting their homes. So in a week, they may see about 20 or more patients. And they get to pray with many of them. And with many of them, they get to lead them to Jesus Christ. Now tell me, how many pastors do that during the week? How many of us do that during the week? So, 
What's my responsibility? Not to make her a preacher, but to encourage her. Go with what's in your heart so that God can use you in that way. So as a husband, as a father, you nurture your spouse and your children to follow God's call on their life, to discover their gifting, find out what is their interest and their inclinations and their passions and encourage them in that because that's where they will be fruitful for the kingdom of God. You don't have to make, you know, so many men think like this. God made me in his image, so I've got to make my wife and children in my image. I'm like, relax. <laughs> relax. Let them be what God wants them to be. Nurture them into their full God's potential for their life. Number six, got to protect your family. Protect your son, your daughter from wrong and negative influences. And, and this will be in, include the being strict in, about certain things, establishing boundaries, and especially for your children. You set boundaries not because you want to stifle them. You set boundaries because you want to protect them. You let them know what those boundaries are. Say, look, these are things that are wrong for us. And we don't do those things for these reasons. But you need to set those boundaries. You need to protect them. And it's better to talk about it ahead of time rather than acting reactively. It is better when, when your son, your daughter is in sixth grade to start talking to them about smoking and drugs and drinking rather than to react when later on they come home with some of those things. No, talk to them early enough. Say, these are things that are wrong. We don't do it because of these reasons. It destroys your body. It's harmful. It's addictive. It controls. It destroys. Here are these reasons why we don't do it. Talk to them. Protect them. Why are you doing it? Because you're protecting them. Speak to them early enough. Protect your family. And all of these six things that we have spoken of, we realize, men, that we cannot do this without God. So that brings us to the last and seventh point. That we do this with God. That means I, as a man, have to be submitted to the Lordship and His rule. Lordship of Jesus Christ and His rule and His reign in my life. So that then I can minister out of that to my family and my, to my wife and children. Another quote here from Dr. Cole says, he says this, To the degree that you become a good son to God... You become a good father to your children. I cannot fulfill this calling and this ministry as a husband and a father on my own. We can't do it on our own. We need to walk yielded to the Lord. There are no perfect fathers, all of us have failed. Some of, us, some of us have tried and failed. Some of us haven't even tried. But I hope this morning all of us will come to the Lord and say, God, I desperately need your empowering in my life to represent you to my spouse and my children. And I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, there's a proper order in God's calling and ministry. First, we are called by God to love Him and minister to Him. 
The second in this order is our calling and ministry as husband and father to minister to our wife and children. And after that follows our calling in the marketplace or uh, in, in the Christian, Christian in church and ministry. So there is a proper order. And a lot of confusion happens because this order is broken. Whenever order is broken, it results in chaos and confusion. So the way to get rid of that chaos and confusion is to restore order. Put things back in proper order. First, you submit it to the Lord. Second, you fulfill your calling at home. Third, is your calling to the marketplace or to the church and so on. Malachi chapter 4 verses 5 and 6, God <clears throat> speaks to the prophet Malachi. He says, talking about the end times, he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Look at that. If the heart of the fathers is not turned to the children and the children back to the fathers, that that dynamic doesn't take place, it's going to result in a curse. But if that does happen, it's going to bring blessing. It's going to bring blessing. What's happening in your home? Curse or blessing? One way to fix that is to ensure the heart of the father and the children are connected. That will ensure there's blessing. Just a word to the fatherless this morning before we close. Some of you young people may be growing up in homes with the father's absent for various reasons. And I I want just to remind you of this ultimate truth that is God is our ultimate father. While we value earthly fathers, they are important. Ultimately, God is our father. And in him, we find all sufficiency. Earthly fathers are to be valued, and, but earthly fathers could fail. For various reasons. But that doesn't mean we have to turn out bad. It just means we have to press in. To our heavenly father. Because he is more than able. To be a father to us. Just remind you of some scriptures here on this. In 2 Corinthians 6.18. God says I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters. Says the almighty Psalm 27.10, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Psalm 68, verse 5, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. All of us must learn to connect with God, our heavenly father, ultimately. Because he's the only one who is the perfect father and who Fulfills every need in our lives. I also want to challenge us men. Not only to be fathers to our own families. But in a very prudent manner. To try and minister to those 
younger people who may not have fathers. Find out a young person who may not have a father and be in a spiritual sense a father and an encourager in his or her life. Uh, his life. Yeah, men. I'm speaking to men, so men relate to men. You know, don't get involved, ladies. We'll talk about that later. But find out some other young men be a fa- who don't have a father. Be a father to them. Closing question I want to ask us is this. What will your son or daughter remember you for? A time will come when your son or daughter is going to grow up and go away. You're going to be a little older in age. The question that I I was asking myself. You know, Josh may leave home next year. Go off to do his studies and college. So I was asking myself the question, you know, what will he remember me for? What is that one thing when he thinks about me? What will he remember me for? What will your son, your daughter remember you for? The Bible says that the glory of children is their father. Children would like to have those good memories. To be proud of their father. I want to close with this assessment. And again, I'm borrowing now from the United States Department of Vital Statistics. They did a survey that lasted over a five-year period from 2006 to 2010. The report was published uh, end of last year, December 20th, 2013. And uh, the study was about fathers' involvement with their children in the United States, of course. How involved are fathers with their children over this five-year data that's collected over this five-year period? And they assessed two groups of children, those five years and below and those five to 15 years. So they had this. And, and of course, the results have been published. But what I want to do this morning is just to bring the same questions they asked people in their survey. I want to ask you and me this morning as husbands and fathers. And of course, I've also added another table to it. For us who are Christians, as Christians, we could ask additional questions. But let's run through those questions here. Can you see it? Is it clear enough there? Can you read it? Somewhat, Okay. So you have four choices, not at all, once a week, several times a week, every day. So the questions basically said, in the last four weeks, they asked fathers, and you can change it a little bit for, uh, uh, you know, the uh, different age groups, but here's the general questions. How often have they played with their children? How often do they read to their children? How often they ate meals with their children. How often they took their children to or from activities. How often do they have they talked with their children about things that happened during the day. How often have they checked the children whether, whether the children had completed their homework. These were the kinds of questions they put out in their survey. and They were collecting data. If we ask ourselves, husbands and fathers, the same question, and of course you can change it a little bit depending on how old your children are, 
How often do you do these things? Is it not at all? Once a week? Several times a week or every day? How often? How involved are you and I? I'd like to add to that some other questions that would be relevant for us as Christians, as believers. In the last four weeks, how often have you prayed together with your children? The pastor, I pray in church Sunday morning. But what about during the week? How often have you spoken about the Lord and His Word? How often have you listened to your children share their hearts? How often have you spoken encouragement into their lives? How often have you discussed about their gifts and strength and what they should be doing in life? In the last four weeks. Is it not at all? Once a week? Several times a week? How often have you done this? Let's rise to our feet, please. I'd like to call the worship team up. And I want us as husbands and fathers this morning to just respond to this call. It's a holy calling. To be a husband and a father. It's a calling to minister to our spouse and our children, our wife and children. I know we are not perfect, but we are still without excuse because we need to go to God and say, God, give me help. Help me. Give me the grace to be a husband and a father. You designed this for me. This morning, would you take some time as a husband and a father, as you're standing here, just to pray and say, God, I need your help to do this. I'm willing to try, but I need your help. Some of us may have not even tried. We may have been so preoccupied with other things outside home, we've even forgotten or maybe knowingly neglected our calling and ministry at home. Some of us may have tried or are trying, but we are finding it hard, finding it difficult. Let's all pray and ask the Lord for grace, for wisdom, strength to fulfill this calling as a husband and a father just want you to take some time right now it's between you and the Lord
Would you make a pledge before the Lord saying, God, as for me and my house, we are going to serve you, God. That's what I want to see. I want to see my home being a home. Where we as a family will honor you, will love you, will exalt you, will glorify you and serve you. Would you make that your prayer? Would you make that your pledge and say, God, help me. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And let's invite the Lord into our homes, our families. And say, come, let your kingdom come into our homes. Because as for me and my house, we want to serve your God. Do whatever it takes, O oh God, to establish your kingdom in my home. Do whatever it takes, O oh God, to bring your kingdom, bring heaven into my home. Do it, Lord. I want to see this happen. As for me and my house, we want to serve. We want to do your will. We want to be what you've called us to be. This is our prayer this morning. I choose to follow you today. I choose. Oh
you, Lord Jesus. Just reminded of this statement by Dr. Edmund Cole. He said, Men look for better methods, but God's methods are men. God is looking for better men. God is looking for better men. Not just for greater methods, but better men. I would ask men here this morning to say, God, make me a better man, make me a better husband and a father to my family. And Holy Spirit, we invite you this morning to move in our lives. Through each one of us as husbands and fathers. May your kingdom come. May your will be done, Lord, in our homes. That our homes and our families be a little expression, a little representation of the kingdom of God, of heaven here on earth. Help us. We pray. Help us, we pray. Change of our hearts. Take off the heart of stone. Give us a heart of flesh. Break down our pride and cause us to walk with the Spirit of grace and humility. Help us, O oh God, we pray. And we thank you, Lord. We bless you. Raise up a generation of men. That you will be proud of, oh God. You'll say, that's my man. Raise up a generation of husbands and fathers. That you will be proud of, oh God. You'll say, that's a man after my own heart. Visit every father, visit every husband, oh God, we pray. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Let's close, please. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance on you. And give you his peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.